So without further ado, how many are ready for a word from the Lord today? I mean, you guys came here for a word. Well, you are in luck because I have one just for you. Um, I asked Pastor this last week uh, after he finished the message last week uh, that he shared with us about living in breakthrough if I could tag on to the series. And so we're going to finish the build series today with the word that God gave me. It's actually from a word that God gave me back in October at our elders retreat. And at the time, I didn't know it would grow up to be a message. Um, but here it is today. And, and I knew in my spirit that this was the word for the house. And so how it connects to this build series that we've been in and then pastor's message last week of living in breakthrough is I really feel like this is a part of the how that we move forward. This is how we live in breakthrough and how we move with the kingdom and, and what God is doing. And so the word, it literally was a singular word that God spoke to me back in October was the word pioneer. It is a, a smidge small, but just go with me if you would. So how many are familiar with, with the word pioneer? All right, I didn't have any idea what God was trying to say when he gave me this word. By the way, this is synthetic, so no coons were killed in the making of this hat. Um, but it's symbolism, so just go with me, if you will, my people. Um, but I, so I was wrestling with this word, like, okay, what does this mean? Is this for me? Is it for us? Is it, you know, what does it look like? And the staff have heard me share a little bit about this over the last couple of months, and this is kind of where it settled out. But, but looking up first the definition, this is just simply what pioneer means. A person who begins, helps develop, or discovers something new and prepares the way for others to follow. So how many of you in your life have ever done a little pioneering? Okay, you guys grew up in East Texas, right? Most of you? All right, any of you guys ever go out in the woods exploring? Okay, well, Pastor and I growing up did a lot of that. And this was in the day and age before um, it wasn't safe to allow your kids <laughs> to roam free for, you know, from sunup till sundown. So Pastor and I would set out often, and how many, how many had survival knives? You ever had those? So we had our Rambo knives. And mine was camo and pastor's was black. And then you had a compass on top of it that you could unscrew. And then inside of it, you would have like fishing weights and fishing line and hooks and fire starter and whatever else you could cram down in there, right? And you'd, we had a little sheath for it and we'd put that on. And sometimes we'd carry a hatchet with us because um, we had those two. Dad let us have lots of things that I'm not sure mom was okay with, but... But we would go out into the woods, and my grandfather owned a tremendous amount of land kind of in and around us, and so we had ponds, and we had all kinds of places to go get in trouble. And so we would set out, and many times we would go off into uncharted territory, and we would pioneer ourselves a path. And we'd come back with cuts, and then come back with scrapes, and we would have slipped and fallen down and gotten wet because we slipped and fell in the creek or any number of things. One time your pastor almost hacked part of his leg off with his hatchet because we were, we were cutting limbs. <laughs> and what you don't do is swing this way. We, f we found that out. I came back with cuts all the time from trying to hack saw with my, the backside of my survival knife and you know, cutting my fingers and all kinds of things. But we were pioneers. 
So I'm just trying to kind of connect you to the idea of the pioneer, the pioneer spirit. And so um, I recently read a, a book, I'm actually in the process of reading it, uh, called The Way Back uh, by Dutch Sheets. And rather than me try to read you into this message, I felt like this was a lot more succinct. So it's a, it's a little excerpt from this book. And if you'll allow me to, I'd like to just read that to you to set the table and kind of set the stage for this word pioneer and kind of what it means in this message for us today. Is that okay? All right, what you cannot do while I'm reading is zone out because you'll miss it, all right? So, so like lock in, silence your cell phones, focus up here. Um, should I put my hat on to help you focus? Okay. It's quite the hat, I know. All right, here we go. True pioneers have become a rare breed in our generation. We've seen a few in technology, communication, medicine, and transportation, but a large percentage of Americans and certainly many spiritual leaders have abandoned the pioneer spirit that birthed America. Becoming followers and settlers, we built our walls of protection, seeking the comfort and security of the crowd. The need for traveling, only the known path has tamed us, and we've lost the concept of being world changers. Deep in the soil of this land, however, is pioneer blood, crying out for a new generation of trailblazers to answer a pathfinding, pioneering call of the wild. This spirit is so needed right now because America has lost her moral and spiritual bearings. How many would say amen? Straying from the basic principles that made her great, truth, integrity, personal and corporate responsibility, self-discipline, biblical morality, and the ideals of all of our founders have been at least partially lost. America now needs a generation, a new generation, of pathfinders and waymakers to arise and lead us back to our roots. Ironically, the way forward is sometimes behind us. Contrary to what many people believe, old is not synonymous with outdated. The future must always be built on yesterday's strong foundation. The psalmist said in Psalm 11:3, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The church should have been leading America back to our foundations, but we Christians seem to also have lost our connection to the pioneer spirit. Deep within the DNA of every believer is the spirit of Christ, the pioneer of all pioneers. But this nature has been lost in the wilderness of conformity, religion, and compromise. God, however, is issuing a fresh and powerful invitation, invitation to us. Leave behind the safety and boredom of tame, anemic religion. Abandon the shallow life lived by the all-too-common narcissistic Christian in America. Overcome the fear of death, loss, and the unknown. And follow me back to what I birthed 2,000 years ago. Radical, world-changing, miracle-working, fearless, love-not-your-lives-unto-death, passionate, warrior-hearted pioneers. Heaven is waiting for a remnant of God-fearing Americans to answer this call and begin a pathfinding journey. Earth is waiting also. Broken hearts, hungry bellies, enslaved girls, war-ravaged nations, and unsaved people. They're all desperately waiting for a 21st-century breed of pioneers to arise and lead. Will you be one of them? Part of what we've all witnessed here in this last couple of years, I'll take my hat off for a sec. 
got to take me seriously. <laughs> is a really a focused assault on our history to undermine the foundation, to crack the foundation, to remove it. We've seen it with the tearing down of idols and the discrediting of our nation's founders. And were these men perfect or these women perfect? No, because none of us are. But part of the end game from the enemy is he knows if he can destroy the foundation, he can take down the house. The enemy, the, the end game is that they, he wants us to be settlers. And I know this hat doesn't fit either, but just work with me. It's a settler's hat. So when you see me with this hat today, I want you to, to keep in mind the central thought around it is settling permanently in a place that was supposed to be temporary. And what all of this has done is kind of coax us, especially as Americans, into a place of settlement. Just stay in your little church houses and be quiet. Stay out of government. Stay out of academia. Stay out of all of the professions and all of the, the entertainment industry and all the things in between and just... That, that's never what we were called to do, guys. We were called to take dominion over the earth. We were not called to settle. We were called to pioneer. And so the, if you get nothing out of what I'm saying today except for this, this is what I want you to grab a hold of in your heart. The enemy is working full-time, 24-7, every day to get you to compromise and settle permanently in a place that was never supposed to be permanent. It was supposed to be temporary. Because inside of each and every one of us is the spirit of the pioneer to go forward and to make a way for others. And I hope that I can deliver this burden to you so that you walk out of here somewhat miserable like me <laughs> in a sense that you want to do something about it. So... As we kind of jump into this together, the, the title of my message for you today is just one word, and it's real simple, unsettle. Today, I need us to unsettle. So let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we need you. Speak to our heart. Change our lives. Show us the way forward together with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I said that a pioneer discovers something new, prepares a way for others. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to, to kind of bring up a few notable pioneers that you guys may be familiar with. So how many, just by looking at this little visual aid, would have a name attached to it? Well, David Bowie's one. But <laughs> I heard Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett. Uh, Davy Crockett was the one that, I, that came to mind first for me. And so uh, how, how many of you know that when Disney kind of took advantage of the, the legend of Davy Crockett and put out the series, that there were at one time 5,000 of these were being sold a day? Why do you think that is? Well, <laughs> cute on some, I guess, especially on the kids. But I think it connects with, obviously, most of those were youngsters, I think it it's kind of inspires our natural pioneer, that we're, we're naturally inclined to gravitate towards people that kind of push against norms and kind of go out and explore new territory because part of one of his titles was king of the wild frontier. 
And you see in Davy's story, there's another reason us Texans like him because he was also in politics besides being a seasoned you know, bear hunter, among other things. Um, but when he left politics in Tennessee, he's famously quoted as saying, you may all go to hell and I will go to Texas. And so that's why all of us have such, a, such an attachment to Davy Crockett, <laughs> I think, here in Texas. But as, as we know, he joined the Texas Revolution and ultimately gave his life defending the Alamo. A couple of other notable pioneers in different fields. Thomas Edison uh, invented the light bulb and also was the father of the record player and the motion picture camera. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. stood beside President LBJ as he signed the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and also that same year won the Nobel Peace Prize for his nonviolent campaign towards civil rights. Amelia Earhart was the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic in 1932. Frederick Douglass was born a slave and became a great orator, advising President Lincoln and eventually becoming the first black citizen to hold multiple high-ranking offices in the government under five U.S. presidents. Sally Ride was the first uh, female in space in 1983 aboard the Challenger, and about eight years after that, Ellen Ochoa became the first Hispanic female astronaut who also holds three patents and once served as the first Hispanic director of the Johnson Space Center. Jonathan Edwards was one of America's most important and original philosophical theologians and played a critical role in the shaping of the First Great Awakening. He oversaw some of the first revivals in 1733 at his home church in Massachusetts. George Washington, known as the father of our country, was also one of the original pioneers of our country. When the American Revolutionary War began in 1775, he was made the commander-in-chief of the newly formed militia, the Continental Army, and he transformed an inexperienced little group of soldiers into a fighting force that ultimately defeated the Midas military force in all the land in the British. And then obviously we all know in 1789 he became our first president. The most significant pioneer, I believe, though, is Jesus Christ, the pioneer of all pioneers. Because when you think about the definition of pioneer and what I'm talking about today, we're talking about those that go ahead of us, that make a way for us. And in his story, obviously, we see that throughout. He paid the ultimate sacrifice that we would all have a way, that not only we could come to him, but be with him forever in eternity. And so if you think I may be stretching my pioneer parallels a little bit, um, when I was doing some study for this message, I found a couple of places in the New Testament where it links Jesus very clearly to the pioneering spirit. And so one of those is found in Hebrews 2.10. And it says, In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. In the King James Version, that usually is translated captain or author. But if you trace that, that, that word back to its Greek roots, it speaks of being a trailblazer, of being a pioneer, of being an originator. Also in Hebrews 12 to fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Many times we see that translated the author and perfecter of our faith. Same word, the pioneer, the trailblazer of our faith. For, they, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So as we talk about this idea of being a pioneer and being unsettled, to get, to get unsettled, 
this, I think the, the key thing that I wanted to weave this into was the story of Abraham. Because he was known as the, what? The father of our faith. Many also refer to him as the pioneer of our faith because he was the one God chose to appear to, to start this theme and thread that runs throughout the Bible in humanity. So we're going to jump into that in Genesis chapter 11, and I'm going to start in verse 29, guys. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. And I said in the first service, I'm glad those names don't get used nowadays. At least I hope not. Verse 30, now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive, and that's important. We all know that part of the story. We'll circle back to that. Verse 31, Terah took his son Abram, his, the grandson, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together, now watch this, together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. They were pioneering. They set out to go to Canaan. Next verse, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. They settled there. And then we see Abram's father pass away in the next verse, in verse 32. And this is where I felt like the Holy Spirit was really drawing our attention to today, that I really need you to kind of connect with me on. That where I think a lot of us are is this idea, like in Abram's story here, and we'll see this play out, this idea of settling in a place permanently that was only ever supposed to be temporary. And when you take a look at what we've all been through in the last couple of years as a, as a world, as a nation, and even as a church, what it's going to be really easy to do at times is to just kind of resign yourself and, and decide, you know what, I'm just going to settle here because it's comfortable, and it's easy, and I'm kind of tired. But today, what I feel like the call is really for our nation, but I'm responsible for Pathway Church, so you guys are going to get it today, and they can figure it out later, is that we have got to unsettle, and we have got to get about the pioneering that God has called us all to do, because it's in every one of us. It's a part of our DNA, and, and it's a choice that we have to make. And it's not easy, right? It's something that each and every one of us have our own unique challenges, and we've had our own unique life experiences and have our own, had our own setbacks and difficulties and failures and all those things. But as we're going to discover in Abram's story here, we're going to see some keys that are going to help us unsettle. And so the first key that I want to bring to you today is don't overcomplicate it. How many sometimes get analysis paralysis? <laughs> Any of those people? I think Pastor talked about this a week or two ago. I'm the same way. I, I overthink because I need to know all the angles. And I need to make sure I think of it from all the different perspectives. So it seems like there's a few of you like that. The problem is that's anti-faith. Because if we have to know all the answers and count all the costs and know what, what money is going to come in, just like this journey as a church family would build, how ridiculous is it to the average person outside of this church for us to start this building process again right now? Isn't that silly? 
right? Why are we doing it? Because God said do it. And God's already done it to this point. Debt-free, he's given $5 million through all of you to get halfway done with that building out there. And so we have already seen him do it. So it'd kind of be silly to not continue, right? But how many know it's, if you're looking at it logically and analytically, it doesn't make any sense. That's because faith doesn't make sense. Can I just say that again? Faith doesn't make sense. Don't overcomplicate it. What, what complicates things for us is neglecting to follow God. That gets complicated. When we follow him, it gets real clear, real easy. Does it mean it is easy or without opposition? Absolutely not. But there's grace in it, there's purpose in it, there's destiny in it, and there's provision in it, because when we follow him in faith, he meets us there. So let's take a look at this kind of illustrated in the life of Abraham. And so we see him just after that last passage I read where he, they settle in Haran, okay? They settle in Haran. Genesis 12, verse 1, very next chapter, very top of my Bible in the right-hand side on page 962. No, I'm just kidding. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And watch this. What does Abraham do? So Abram went. As the Lord told him, and Lot went with him, Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Flip over to Hebrews 11.8 real quick. It says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Isn't that hard for us? If God said today, hey, Mark, go. Where, Lord? <laughs> that way. Where are we going? That way. How many of you could put yourself in Abraham's spot and feel like it would have turned out the same way? It wouldn't have, for me, I'd have been like, God, I got some questions. <laughs> you think about it for a second. Where's Abram at? He's in a part of his story where he just lost his dad. He lost his brother. He's taking care of his nephew. His wife is barren, and God makes him this promise, and you don't have any questions? That's why he's the father of our faith. Because I don't think anybody else could have done that. I know I couldn't have. But I love the faith. Keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. When God says go, you go. I love something my wife kind of, we talked about this here within the last few years, and she felt the Holy Spirit speak this for her, is when encountering new opportunities and things in her life where before she had said no, she just heard from the Holy Spirit, I know I'm supposed to say yes even if it's a little uncomfortable. And I've watched God grow her and grow us and grow her ministry and her outreach and her ability to minister to other people because she just started saying yes where before she'd been saying no. And that really is that simple. We just have to say yes. Our faith in God is just a series of yeses, just one after the other. How many have had that tension before, though? Like, you know you got a word. You know, you've, you're motive, you know you need to. 
But you need to understand first. <laughs> Anybody besides me? You, need, you just have to, you have to figure it out. You got to count the cost. You got to do the budget. You got to get all the answers. Maybe some of you, before build, as you're committing your, your commitments for this year, wrestle with that. Like, I don't know how. I mean, one of the testimonies we got was amazing. They were, they were really wrestling with this. This was a couple weeks ago on Sunday and gave a number that was really uncomfortable for them. And by Monday, God had sent a bonus that was 10 times the amount of what they sowed the previous day. God meets you with where your faith is. The problem is so many of us, we don't understand that faith unsettles. The idea of faith doesn't. Well, I know, I, I believe you, God, but if I'm not taking a step, if I'm not saying a yes, then he doesn't have the opportunity to meet me there because he's still waiting on me to move. And that's part of this idea that I'm trying to communicate to you today of settling. Settling has you still. Settling has you complacent. Settling has you in a place of kind of almost surrender. And what the Holy Spirit's saying to us today is we got to unsettle. We got to pack up the camp. We got to get on our wagon. <laughs> and we got to head back out and down the trail. Amen? Faith will unsettle you. And I just want to make this kind of point, if I could insert this here. I did it in the first service, and I felt as I was studying, it was really, really important. Because we look at part of Abraham's story right here is the fact that he was 75 years old when we earlier introduced to his story. And I just want to encourage, if you're in that generation, which a lot of us call our hero generation, we need you. We need you desperately. The enemy wants you to think that you're not needed or that you don't have anything to offer. But I'm here to tell you that God loves the generations. There's, I'm talking about the foundation earlier. Part of the foundation that we're losing is with you. And we need you to help us establish it and keep it moving. How do you do that? There's a million things. Taking on some spiritual sons and daughters, mentoring, you know, I love my parents because they've lived this in front of us our whole lives. But mom and dad have always been active before they even pastors, teaching, preaching, serving, giving, leading worship, whatever it may be, loving on our neighbors, you know, giving stuff away. These are, these are my parents. And now that they're in this stage of their life in this hero generation where they could just pack it in and settle, guess what they're doing? Volunteering to be pastors. <laughs> right? Loving on people. And now leading a life group that I think is about a fourth the size of our church now, the way that it's, it's going, of people in that generation or around it, because they're not done. They're pioneering. They haven't settled. It'd be real easy to, right? We're not called to settle. Today we're unsettling. Amen? What I love about Abraham here is that in this story, he didn't start asking God all the questions like we would. He just went. And as you heard Pastor say a couple of weeks ago, partial trust is mistrust. Partial obedience is disobedience. And partial faith is no faith at all. It's all or nothing. And I want us to be all in. Amen? 
Key number two, embrace the uncomfortable. How many like being uncomfortable? Nobody. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> None of you like being uncomfortable. Um, pioneers know that comfort is not your friend. Just like I was kind of talking about earlier, being a pioneer and kind of getting caught up in the thorns and kind of falling down and twisting ankles and trying to swing on monkey vines that give way and you land on your back and knock the breath out of you, not that that's ever happened to me, um, is painful. Sometimes pioneers get lost. How many of you have ever gotten lost pioneering? I did one time because I was pioneering some new territory out in my pop's land and I went down into this ravine, which was super easy to get down. It was very, very difficult to get back up, though, because I was kind of pudgy at the time and wasn't especially strong. And so I get down this ravine, and I'm kind of exploring, and then I realize, oh, no, there's nothing to grab onto. And so I panicked <laughs> at first <laughs> and decided, well, I'd, there's only thing, one thing left to do. I'm just going to follow this ravine down as far as it'll take me until I, hopefully I can find a ledge to kind of get a hold on. And what was kind of cool about it, once I got past, you know, almost peeing my pants, because um, I was about 11 or 12 at the time, I think, if I remember correctly, was as I walked down that ravine, I saw this really amazing landscape. And I saw these neat little creeks with some little mini waterfalls going down them, and it was real pretty. It looked like, you know, no one had been there before, you know, I'm sure. But when I got back, I brought... Marty back there with me, and then we brought some of our friends back there with me because it was new and because we had found it, right? And that's kind of the idea I want you to keep, you know, connected to. Why, why, do, we, why do we pioneer? And in the process of pioneering, it's going to be uncomfortable because we're going to have all these things kind of happen to us, but know that God's always with you because he'll what? Never leave you or forsake you. So we look at Abraham's story, there's so many uncomfortable parts of it, and I mentioned a few of those a second ago. How many of you have uncomfortable parts of your story? All of us, right? Just one of the many uncomfortable parts of mine is actually being up here in front of you today. <laughs> because when I was growing up, I grew up around a bunch of preachers. So I had my grandfather, Pop, you've heard us talk about a bunch. Then my dad, we, I had uncles that were pastors. I had cousins that were pastors. Ultimately, my little brother would become a pastor. And here's what I did, because it was very uncomfortable to even think about. I automatically disqualified myself because I was the opposite of all of them. In terms of my, I was introverted. I was, uh, my mom would have to help me with you know, was speaking because I would mumble a lot. I was real shy and I was real introverted and I would keep my head down, you know. And she's like, honey, honey, articulate. <laughs> if you want to ask her about that, you can check with her after service. Honey, I can't tell what you're saying, baby. You, you got, pronounce your words, articulate. And so because of that, I'm looking at my grandfather and my dad and all these amazing preachers. I'm like, yep, that ain't me, <laughs> Right? And what I what want to illustrate kind of from that for all of us is that sometimes we disqualify ourselves by our circumstances. And Abram had that opportunity. How, why would it make sense for him to become the father of many nations 
if his wife was barren and he was over 75 years old at the time. So we have to push past the uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable for me to consider being a pastor. But can I just tell you that, that life is a series of uncomfortable situations that we get to make decisions about? And we can decide to settle, which I think a lot of us do. I've been guilty of it too. Or we can decide, you know what? I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to keep pioneering. I'm going to keep going forward because I don't want to stay there, right? In Abraham's story, in Genesis chapter 11 and 12, we see a couple of those uncomfortable parts that I kind of mentioned a few earlier. Abraham was 75. His brother died. He was now responsible for Lot. Um, his wife was barren. His family line seemed to be destined to be cut off and to die with him. He lost his father. Would you say that looks like a pretty hopeless place? So when it says they were on their way to Canaan, but they settled in Haran, Abram very easily could have said, this is it. You know what? It's just too hard. I'm going to stay here. And then God appears to him, and we see the story begin to play out with his faith and how, how he just obeyed. He didn't make it complicated, even though it was very uncomfortable. You guys see that? Can you connect that to your own stories? Really get that. We're all supposed to kind of live in uncomfort all the time. Pioneers don't live in comfort because they're always going ahead. They're always making a way for other people. They're always making a way for their kids or for their grandkids or for the people that come behind them. Because when we settle, we cease going forward. And in some ways, we kind of sentence them to the same life. And I didn't say that in the first service, but I feel the Holy Spirit on that. We set the pace for that generation. And if we're going to stay seated, hey, guys, this is fine. This is good. There's nothing more to see. Then we've passed down a generational curse of settlement. When we were supposed to always be pioneers. Another thing the pioneer spirit won't let you do is give up. It won't let you stay where you are. Let's continue in Abraham's, Abraham's story, Genesis 15, chapter 1. So after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You'd given me no children, so a servant of my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. So God took him outside. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't really want God to take me outside. Um, in this case, it was good, but for Abraham... He said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And then look what he did. Abram what? Believed the Lord. He believed the Lord. And God credited to him his righteousness in spite of what things looked like around him and in spite of how uncomfortable it was. With Abraham, in this exchange, what I love about it that gives me so much hope is that here we see Abram asking a little question or two, right? 
He's come this far with him. But Abram's looking around. He's like, Sarah's not pregnant. Where are we going? And here's what I love, 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 love about this passage in, in chapter 15 here is God doesn't rebuke him. God's not afraid of our doubt. He's not afraid of our anxiety. He's not afraid of our humanity. He created it. What do we see God do here? Affirm the covenant. Hey, Abraham, I've got you, buddy. I promised and I will deliver. And what do you see Abram do after that little pep talk? He says, okay, I believe you, God. <laughs> back off on the trail again, All right? This is the pioneer, the father of our faith, wrestling with it. And I think it's okay if we do too. Amen? So Abe kind of set back out from there. Once again, kind of full of faith. And maybe today I just kind of wrote this down as I was going through my notes. Maybe this is for some of you, but maybe my marriage isn't what I wanted. Maybe we're just roommates. But you know what? I, I can just I can settle here. Maybe my relationship with my kids is not what it should be. But you know what? It's fine. It just kind of is what it is. Maybe my finances are a disaster, but it's never really going to get any better. I mean, look what's going on in the world today. You know, I thought I'd be further along in my career, but you know what? I just don't even care anymore. I'm done trying. You know, my calling is never going to happen. You know, that was kind of in my past. So, you know what? I'm just kind of done. It's fine, though. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just going to settle here. And what God's speaking to all of us today is no. 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 It's time to unsettle. Whatever your situation is. And for some of you, it may even be unforgiveness. Some, you know, Haran may represent for some of you a place of unforgiveness. And if you'll just forgive, God can take you to Canaan. He can move you on. He can unsettle you and put you back on mission, back in purpose. So the last thing, the last key here, so don't, don't overcomplicate it, right? Embrace the uncomfortable, and finally, understand that it is not about you. Guys, it's not about us. The problem is we live in a society that wants us to, be, wants us to think that it's all about us. That's not God's heart. God is a multi-generational God who's always looking at the big picture. And that's what I want us to kind of take away from this point. Understand it is not about you. Let's pick back up in the story. So now, just to, just to tell you, if you need a, a cool little devotional Bible study, just read Abraham's story again, because I've had to leave more of his story on the cutting room floor of this message than I would have liked, <laughs> because it is, a, it is such an inspiration of faith. But we're picking back up in his story, and now Isaac, the promise, has been born and we're in chapter 21, and I'm going to skip down to verse 25, guys. 
Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. But Abimelech said, I don't know who's done this. You did not tell me, and I heard about it only today. So Abraham brought sheep and cattle and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a treaty. So that place was called Beersheba because the two men swore an oath there. Beersheba also is known as the well of the oath. After the treaty had been made at Beersheba, Abimelech and Phicol the commander of his forces, returned to the land of the Philistines. And watch this, verse 33. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. This is translated El Olam. The first time in Abraham's relationship with God where he refers to God by this name. And it's significant for a reason that I'm going to share with you. El Olam, the eternal God. So Isaac's been born, all right? The promise has come. He's making this treaty with Abimelech around wells, the wells of his people, the water supply of his people, and he plants a tamarisk tree, which is an evergreen tree, because I didn't know that until I had heard about this from Dutch Sheets, and there's a whole teaching in a book that goes along with it, but it's a fascinating read if you want to read a book called An Appeal to Heaven. But in this story, Abraham has planted this evergreen tree, and here's what you need to know about evergreen trees. They grow super slow. So they're especially helpful in climates like, they, like these that they were in in desert land because they stayed green year-round, thus eternal. That was a symbol of the eternal, the covenant he was making there to the eternal God. And these trees, once they're fully grown, provide dense shade, and actually they, actually, uh, they pick up moisture, and they actually have the ability to give off moisture so that as you're traveling through, you would camp under one of these trees to get rest from the sun, and they provide a very cool shade, much cooler than the shade of any other tree. So what's the point, Pastor Mark? Abraham planted a tamarisk tree because he knew it wouldn't be there for him. He was planning it because he had a little baby Isaac that he was thinking about, and ultimately Jacob, and ultimately the generations that would follow, including all of us, because guess what? We were all Father Abraham's sons and daughters. Y'all sing that song yeah. growing up? Father Abraham had many sons and daughters, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Okay, that's all the singing here and get out of me. Um, but he was thinking about the generations. He was thinking about, and you see in chapter 26, when Abraham has now passed away, you see Isaac come to King Abimelech, and you see him benefit from the covenant that he made with the king to take care of and water, because there was a severe famine at the time that Isaac makes it that way, and they needed the water. And so Abraham's covenant, that was where, where he was not thinking about himself. He was thinking about his son and the generations behind him. Now his son got to drink from the well where he made the treaty, where he planted the tree, probably got to enjoy the shade of the tree. And I wanted to kind of connect this to something kind of significant in American history, so I'm going to ask my, my son to join me up here real quick. Might have you help me hold it up. You don't mind, do you? All right. I got this as a gift recently from a dear couple in our church, Kenny and Marie. I don't know if they're, are they here today? Okay. 
I can't see them. Two minutes, the, brights, the lights are too bright. All right, if you don't know, I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but I wanted to illustrate this point because I think it really connects exactly to what I'm talking about today with this, with this message. And some of you know what this is because you're kind of cued in, and, and many of you may not. This is actually the first flag that was flown over our country before the Stars and the Stripes. When George Washington was rallying the troops and getting ready for the war, here's what he knew that without God's intervention, they would not be successful. He knew that. He knew that if they went in on their own merits with an untrained militia, the British army would destroy them. And so he flew this flag over the ships and over the battlegrounds where they fought those early wars in our country's history because he was making a statement that if God doesn't intervene, we won't win. And just to circle this back to you, he used the symbol of the evergreen tree because of its significance and what it represented in the eternal God, the significance of the eternal covenant. You see, America was founded on a prayer movement. And you'll never see that in your history book. I didn't see it. I read a lot of history books growing up. Anybody else? Never heard of this until a couple of years ago. But this the significance of this, when you look at our American history and where this connects to the pioneering spirit of our country, is that it was founded on God, reliance on him, faith in him. Because if he didn't intervene, we wouldn't have a country. All the freedoms that we enjoy came and originated from him. And one of the other unique things about America and the landscape of the world is that Israel was God's chosen people, right? Can we all agree on that? America is the only nation that chose God first. Why does he care about it so much? Why does he care about us? Why is it not okay to settle? Why is it not okay to give up and just accept it and wait for the glory train to come down to take us all to heaven? Because the God of the, the eternal, El Olam, is up there and waiting on us to move, to get unsettled. Amen? Thank you, buddy. Give Jackson a hand, would you? Great job. He'll be 20 this year, which amazes me. But part of what I, the context I saw this message in is about those two kids right there. My 16-year-old daughter and my 19, soon-to-be 20-year-old son. And this mission that God's put us on that he's put me in in this role as one of your pastors, that church out there, guys, that is not about us. That is not about us. It's about them, and it's about their kids, and it's about the generations behind them. We got, it's not selfish. We got to uncomplicate it, right? We got to be a little uncomfortable and just get used to it. And then ultimately, we have to understand it is not about us. It is not about us. I'm contemplating whether I want to share this last thing or not. You sure? Because I didn't share this with the first service. Y'all getting bonus material. Today is about a call to action. 
It's a call for us to be pioneers and to unsettle, okay? If you get nothing out of what I'm saying today, get that. We are called to be pioneers. Where have we settled? Let's unsettle. There was a word given by, uh, I think he's he's certainly in prayer ministry. I think he's a prophetic gift. I've never heard of him up until just this last week. But when I heard this, it just gripped me. And so I wrote it down. I stuck it in my notes, not knowing if it would find its way up here. But here you are. Um, But I think this actually does a good job of, of kind of tying all the loose ends and bringing us home. So listen to this word. It's from a man named Don Lynch who actually just recently passed away a few weeks ago. He was a prophet connected to Dutch Sheets and his ministry on February the 22nd. It says, pioneers cannot go into play it safe mode. No, you cannot do whatever, whenever, pioneer. You must move through when through is open for going through. The trail ahead will close up in winter. It'll be open only for a measurable moment of opportunity. If the early snow comes, catching a pioneer by surprise, the passes can fill up and lock them down for months. Whenever the trail closes, a pioneer must wait it out somewhere along the route. So consider where you must be in October as you signal for what you do in March. Do not measure your present activity by the green dusted pollen of spring. Pioneers who get comfortable never get there. Pioneering requires consistent preparation, constant pressing. Pausing for a couple of days is not quitting, but be careful. Finding a restive stream under a shady oak may tempt you to see the present comfort as your future home. Even pioneering people must have pioneers who go before them. Someone must find the trail. They would not need your pioneering leadership if they knew the trail, carried maps, and knew their way through the gaps. They do need to rest, of course, but you must keep them moving. They will sit down if you do. They will stand up when you do. Pioneering people will press through a salt lake of white dusk with blistered lips because they trust your accurate anticipation of what's coming next. Remember that pioneering people stagnate more quickly when they're not moving ahead. They are not like those enjoying the out of doors, strolling through designed and designated groomed cultivated public parks. City folks stay close to home. Pioneers reach the summit of the next hill. City folks wander on the weekends in encapsulated camping gear simulations of the wilderness. Pioneering people live on the trail. City folks await the next studio premiere of canned worship, listening to yesterday and now. Pioneering people keep moving through the latest worship songs to the sound coming from tomorrow. Do not play it safe now. Restore the pioneering spirit that birthed the thing that you have since structured for settlement. I'm going to say that again. Do not play it safe now. Restore the pioneering spirit that birthed the thing you have since structured for settlement. Get that early spring move back into your ministry and your step with a where we need to be for winter vision. Up and at them, pioneers. God started us on the pioneer trail and we have a tough road ahead of us, but he created us for this. He birthed us for and called us to pioneer. He has anointed us for it and be assured the springs of grace await us in the desert. God demands of us every morning, get up and move pioneers. Comfort is not your friend. What comes next will never be satisfied or settled by ordinary people. Amen.
Go ahead and stand with me. Yeah, give Jesus a praise. We're not called to be settlers. We're called to be pioneers. Do you guys accept that with me today? All right, here's what that looks like. What it requires of you is not to leave here today and go, man, that was a good word, and go right back to your settlement. So there's the challenge that comes with it is what am I going to do with it? And hear my heart when I tell you I've had to labor over this myself because I've seen some settlement in my life that I don't like. Let's take the word and let's get about it. Because we're not supposed to stay in this dry, barren, desolate settlement. There's provision ahead of us. There's blessing ahead of us for each and every one of you. There's calling and purpose and destiny ahead of you. But you've got to take up the spirit of the pioneer. You've got to pack your bags in the settlement, load up your wagons, and hit the trail. And I know you guys are just crazy enough to go there with me, right? All right, bow your heads with me. I don't like to end a service without making an opportunity for any who may need a relationship with Jesus. And so we had a couple in our first service. We're so thankful for them responding. But maybe that's you. You don't have a relationship with the Lord, or maybe you had one, but you've settled away from him. And I just want to give you an opportunity in this moment. If that's you and you say, you know, Pastor Mark, I don't like where I've settled. I want to go with him. I need a fresh vision for my life. I need a fresh anointing for my life. I need, I need him to make a way where it doesn't look like there is one. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up where I can pray with you? Yeah, thank you. Any others? Real quick. Pray something like this with me. Father, forgive me of my sin, of the places I've fallen short. I need your grace. I can't do it without you. I don't want to do it without you anymore. I pray that you come into my heart and be my Savior, my Lord, and my very best friend, and walk with me every day from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If that's you and you responded to that, at the end of the service, we'll have a prayer team up here praying for lots of different reasons for different folks, and so you won't be singled out. But I really want to invite you to come down and let us pray with you. We've got a free gift to give you. We can minister to you more intentionally down here. We want to do that. But also, for those of you in this room, maybe this message hit you square in the heart like it did me. I'd also encourage you to come down. So prayer team, you can go ahead and make your way down if you would. If you feel like today is supposed to be a marked day for you in your journey with Jesus and that you need to come forward and pray with one of these to set those steps and just have them agree with you for the strength or for whatever you need to take that journey, then let's do that today. Amen? I'm going to pray over you as we dismiss, and I'm going to pray I want all of you, as I ask you to bow your heads, I want you to, to hold out your hands and I want you to be in a posture of receiving. So let's do that right now. Bow your heads, hold your hands out. Father, I pray over all of our Pathway family.
Lord, we want to unsettle. We have settled. We repent for settling for less than your best, for less than you called us to. And today we look ahead with you and we make a declaration like Abram did, like Abraham did so many years ago. When he heard the word from you, he just went. So give us the energy, give us the motivation, give us whatever's necessary to move us into what you're doing in our lives, each and every one of us, Father. So I pray for your anointing to be in these hands that are outstretched, for you to touch their hearts, for you to free their minds, Lord, for you to give them, help them to feel and see and experience your unconditional love in a way that motivates them into action. Maybe that's in outreach. Maybe that's in serving. Maybe we've been sitting on the bench for since the last couple of years, events, but now we know it's time to re-engage. It's time to get back in the game. Maybe that's serving somewhere other than the church. Maybe it's giving. Maybe it's working on our marriage. Maybe it's trying to mend relationships with our kids. Whatever those moves are that you need us to unsettle and make, Father, we pray for your anointing to come, to break down walls, to break yokes, to give us what we need to step out in faith. And once we do make the step, we know that you'll be with us, that you'll be working and moving as we're pioneering forward. We thank you for the word and we thank you for it getting deeply rooted in our hearts. And I thank you also for the testimonies that we're going to hear about and we're going to experience as fruit of this word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Can you give Jesus your best praise before we get out of here? <laughs> Pathway, I love you. You guys are called. I don't know if you know this or not, but one little... Uh, let me, let me tell you this and I'll let you go because you guys will appreciate this. Not that the first service didn't, but God reminded me when, when I got the word pioneer, he said, look at Pathways Founding Scripture. And so I went back and read it and it says from Isaiah 43, 18, but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do for I'm out to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals, the owls, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so that my chosen people can be refreshed. So go with that because you guys are all already pioneers because you're here. Amen. Love you guys. Have a safe week. We'll see you here next week.